Christian Medical and Dental Associations hope you enjoy today's chapel message. I love CMDA. I've heard so much about you and what you do and the change and the differences and the encouragement that you are. And thank you guys for, for all that you do. It's, it's an amazing thing God's entrusted to you. Uh, well, are you ready for Christmas? I hear crickets. Uh, it's, it's not too far. You know, we started these, all these celebrations. They started this year. They started uh, Halloween about August. About the end of August, I thought, what in the world? And Thanksgiving fell on that. Now Christmas, I'm almost tired of Christmas. I hadn't even gotten here yet. So. But uh, I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. Uh, if, if you don't know, I have eight youngins, uh, five girls and three boys. And Emily is somewhere down that line. I'm not sure where she is in that line. But she, she belongs to me. Uh, but... Uh, uh, our, when ki- all of our kids were at home, they were all grown up and moved out and gotten married and things like that. But when they, when they were home, Christmas was a big deal. Uh, we got ready for them, and uh, we had to rent Viking Hall out to have our Christmas in. Uh, but, uh, uh, and our kids loved the Christmas story. The boys especially uh, liked the story of the, of the wise men. Uh, and I can remember several years in a row, they'd say, Dad, tell us about those wise guys. <laughs> you know, and, and, and in a sense, they are wise guys. That's, that's what it means. But I want us to look at, at just the, the, a part of Christmas, uh, uh, the story. And here's my hope. My hope is that uh, God will use our time together to spur your interest. Uh, that, uh, that you'll be able, you'll, you'll get hungry and say, hmm, that's pretty interesting, and check into that. You know, Paul said, uh, he said, be like the Bereans and examine the scriptures and see that what you're being, to- being taught is true. And so I want you to do that as well. Uh, I wouldn't intentionally lead you into to untruth, but I want you to uh, just to substantiate what really is in the Scripture already. Is that a good thing? All right. Now, I, I, it's been a while since I told you this. Uh, my, my style of preaching is I, I, I'm going to say some things, and when you get that, I'll move on to some more things and get that and more things. And then finally, I'll, after I said three or four things, we can all go eat lunch or whatever y'all do next, okay? Now, the only way I know how to know, know if you've got it is if you give me some kind of an indication. For example, this is a good one. That's, I can handle that, you know. Uh, or amen, that's a good one. I was uh, uh, preaching over at uh, Tri-Cities Baptist Church in, in the King, uh, Kingsport, Johnson City. Uh, and uh, uh, one old guy from out in the country, I said something. He said, I heard that. <laughs> so that'll do. Uh, one lady, they had a British lady there, and she went, here, here. So any of those things will work. But if, if you get the point, then we can move on to the next one. Is that a good deal? Uh, it's going to be good. Okay. Well, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, you can, t- you can turn to uh, Matthew chapter 1. Uh, and it's part of the Christmas story, uh, and it's the story of the wise men here that, as Matthew starts out. Uh, and we're going to read, I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 12. And I've got 24 minutes max. They say there's a door up here that cl- opens up, and I will disappear if I'm not done by 1030. So, amen. <laughs> All right. Could you get her name and number for me, please? Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, so I'm watching the clock up there, and if, if it gets if it gets till, I'll get faster and faster as my sermon goes. Is that a good deal? Oh, I won't do that then. Okay. Okay, so anyhow, let's begin reading in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi, that is wise men from the east, arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod, heard the, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. 
And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi uh, and determined from them the exact time that the star appeared to them. And he said to them, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. Is there anybody here that believes that Herod really wanted to worship him? Not a chance, all right? And, and they're going to be warned of that in, in just a few minutes. Verse 9 says, Now after hearing the king, they went their way, and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, did you catch that? Not the inn, not a stable, not a barn. But when they came into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left their country by another way. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, thank you so much uh, for this account of this real event that took place so many years ago. God, what a wonderful blessing it is to see what unfolds as you came to this earth to live and to give your life so that we could be reconciled to you. Lord, uh, help us to see that this morning. Lord, as we study these wise men, uh, would, you, uh, would you teach us? Would you feed us? Would you encourage us and challenge us in Jesus' name? Amen. Okay, uh, now what we find here, let's, let's go back to verses 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, the strange thing about this is we know very, very little about these wise men. Uh, we, we're not sure... We're not even sure how many there are. We don't know their names. We don't know if they all came at one time or if they kind of staggered in together. All we know is that they came and they sought this new king that had been born. And that's, that's significant in, in itself. Uh, these wise men were very powerful people in the economy at that time. Uh, they basically were kingmakers. Uh, when, when, a, when an area would designate a new king, they would come and they would examine and they would check his background and all that sort of thing. And then they would approve or disapprove of that king. And if they disapproved, the process started all over again. So here, the, here are these, these uh, am I, they're called you know, kings. I wonder where we came to call them kings. I bet it was that song, don't you? We three kings. All right. and when I was a kid, we sang, we three kings of Oyanar. Tried to smoke a rubber cigar. <laughs> Y'all remember that? But <laughs> it goes a little bit different in the real version. All right. But we, so, and we don't, know, we don't know that there were three of them. It just says wise men from the east. Literally from the rising of the sun. So we're not exactly sure where they came from. Uh, we're not sure how many they are or who they are or what their names are or any of that sort of thing. Why do you think that we assume there were three of them? What, what, what would you, what's something you think may, well, maybe that's why. Had three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that could be right, but we don't know. And so, so as they come, we find them searching for this new king that had been born in Israel. Now look at verses, uh, verse 2. Uh, uh, Magi from the east arriving in, Jews, in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? 
Now, in your English Bible, you don't see this, but in the original language in which it was written, uh, the word saying, S-A-I-N-G, is in the continual perfect tense, which means they went about everywhere trying to find this Messiah. They were saying and asking and asking and asking, and uh, probably were somewhat puzzled. I mean, here this new king had been born, and they probably assumed that everybody in the area would know about this new king and tell you right where he was. But evidently they didn't because they asked and they asked and they asked until they finally uh, got, to, got to Herod, all right? Uh, and when they asked Herod, this is what happened. Now, when Herod the king heard that these guys were running all over town uh, asking about this new king that had been found, uh, it says that uh, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, why was Herod troubled? That was his nature. Did you know that? He was, he was an egomaniac. He lived with a constant fear that someone was going to overthrow his throne and take over his position. Uh, and so uh, when he heard this new king, at this time, Herod would have been about 70 years old. Uh, and he hears about this new king. Uh-oh, it's going to happen sure as the world. Now, let me tell you what kind of guy he was. He was a madman. Well, let, 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 you can help me a second. Uh, when he heard this and the Magi left and didn't come back to him, and so Herod got furious, right? Do you remember that? And what did he do? He put out an edict. And what was that edict? Uh, kill all the male children from two, uh, from two years, 11 months, and 29 days. They'd be up to the, before the, just before they turned three years. I want them all killed. And that would cover that area so he would be sure to get this newborn king. And that wasn't out of the norm for him. Uh, for example, he had his son-in-law killed because he didn't trust him. He had one of his wives killed because he didn't trust her. He had four of his children killed because he didn't trust them. He was afraid that they were plotting against him and would take over. Uh, how did Herod die? Anybody know how Herod died? He died a horrible death. Uh, he was eaten alive by worms. You remember that? Where he'd been cursed because he had, what he had done with, with the Christ. Uh, and... Uh, it was said, said that five days before he passed away, uh, he had all the major Jewish leaders executed. And he made the statement, when I die, he knew death, death was in. He said, when I die, there will be mourning and there will be sorrow. Now, that's the kind of mindset of this guy. And, and the people of Bethlehem knew that. The people of Israel knew that. They'd seen his madness over and over again. So when it says, and Herod was troubled, and what's the next phrase say? And all Jerusalem with him. Oh, my soul. What will he do this time? What will he do this time? All right. So anyway, we find out he did that. Now, listen to chapter 2, verse 16. This is after the fact, all right? When Herod saw that he'd been tricked by the Magi, he became enraged and, sent, and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Let me tell you something real quick about, about Bethlehem. Is a fa it's still a fascinating place. Uh, it's run by the Arabs now, so it's not nearly as friendly and as inter interesting as it was when the Jewish folks were in charge of Bethlehem in that area where Jesus was born. Uh, but at the, at the time that Jesus was born, Bethlehem would have been about eight acres big. How, much how, how big is y'all's property? 52, almost the same size. <laughs> eight acres, that's a very small piece of property. Now you say, is that all? And yes, that's all that was, they estimate. Now here's the key to that, though. They didn't do like we do today. I mean, you have a gorgeous piece of, of, of facilities and land out here. And they didn't, because of safety and all the other issues, they didn't build like that. They would build the center of the town, 
and the houses and the homes would be there and the businesses would be there. And then they would farm on the outside of that. And they got secure like this because that's where the safety was. There's safety in numbers. And it, they could help each other and shield each other if something came up. So it was a very small town. And I always thought, man, there's a whole ton of kids probably executed. Uh, the tradition in Israel says this, that at that time there were about eight babies under the age of three. Does that change anything you thought about? And here's, let me tell you why they, they say that. Near the place where Jesus was born, uh, they found a crypt with the skeletons of eight babies in there. And their assumption is that's probably the children that were slaughtered by Herod uh, and, they, and the people buried them right there. Now, I don't know if that's right or not, but that's what tradition says. But we think of, we think of this massive bunch of children. Uh, but, you know, if you, if you have a population of eight acres of people, eight's a lot of little babies to be killed. Isn't that right? And so anyhow, that, that's, that's what happened there. So they didn't know what in the world was going to happen. And so they came. All right. Uh, and here's what we're going to move on from there. And I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. So the Magi comes, and we already read about how uh, they want to know about this baby and all that kind of, where was he born and where could he be? And then uh, they, uh, the, the wise guys, the wise guys, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I'm going, I'm reverting back, all right? Uh, uh, y'all remind me of my kids, as a matter of fact. No, you don't, not at all. Uh, but uh, the Magi found out that where they were, uh, and, and then, so what happens is, and we've already read this, well, Matthew went nuts, okay? Well, he, he said, hey, do me a go, go find these kids. This is, this is after that. Matthew said, hey, won't you go find that newborn king uh, and come back and tell me because I want to worship him too. He wasn't even close to wanting to worship him. Not even close. All right. So then what happens is this. They, let, they went, and here's verse, chapter 2, verse 11 says, After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. couple, three things. Number one is, in verse 11 it says, and coming into the house, they found the baby. Uh, this, this event did not take place on Christmas night. The kings, were, uh, the, the wise men were not there on that Christmas morning. Now let me tell you what, uh, that's a little issue but I make it a big issue. I'm a, I'm a Bible person. I, you know, I think the scriptures, need, we need to follow the scripture. It's amazing what some people believe when you take scripture and things out of context. And so at our house, we don't have wise men in the manger scene. All right, years ago, I said, okay, guys, get rid of the wise guys. All right. And so they did. Here's how we do We do it even today. Our kids are all gone. They'll come in for Christmas, but they're all gone. But as Pam put out the little manger scene, you know, that, that you put out with all the animals and things like that. The wise guys aren't there. Now, you know where they are? Now, we put that out right there in the kind of a den area where everybody sees it. Well, the wise men are back in the bedroom because <laughs> they've got a ways to go before they get there. <laughs> and uh, at our church, the king has spoken. Long live the king. I said, guys, listen. when I got there, I've been there about 10 years now. Uh, when I got there, wise men were everywhere. You hear wise men, there wise men, everywhere wise men, you know. And so I came up being the great scholar that I am, and I said, guys, they weren't there on that night. And I had some hard-headed people. Y'all probably have them in your church, all right? I've sent some of your way, I think, as a matter of fact. Uh, but, but, uh, and they, they clung to the wise men. They just want, well, it's over. And I, so, I said, but now it's all, the wise men are now in the fellowship hall, 
All right, so, so it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. You ought to come to our church just, just to see it and this and this. But so they came to the house, it says. They were no longer in the inn, no longer uh, at, a, at a Motel 6, no longer someplace. They were in a house at this time. Most scholars believe that it was about two years after the birth of Jesus that the, that the wise men came and, and approached uh, uh, Herod and things like that. So there's a few who believe that it could be as, as few as six months. Uh, I tend to go on the two-year side, uh, and part of that is because of, of Herod's saying, okay, we want to kill all those babies that's under three years old. And so I think there was a reason for that, and that, that may very, very, very well be the reason. Uh, and so they did some things that are fascinating and some application for us. Is that, is that a good thing? Are, are y'all listening fast enough? Have I sped up yet? I can't tell. I, I talk fast anyway. All right, let me give you four applications that apply to us all right, out of this story. Uh, number one is this, and you've heard this, and it's kind of corny, but it's kind of good. And it says, wise men still seek him. Wise men and wise women still seek him. It's foolish to look somewhere else for peace and purpose and joy and meaning to life. Most of you guys are, are getting older like me, not as old as me, but you're getting old like me. You know what I've discovered in my years? There is really no lasting peace in the stuff of this world. There's no lasting joy. It may be for a season, the scripture says, but it won't last. And it's only as you come to him and find your purpose and peace and joy in him that you'll really know what life ought to be. And so wise men still seek him. Let me give you a couple of verses. Jesus said in John 10, 10, now the thief, and he's talking about the devil, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? John 3.16. Anybody, can anybody quote John 3.16? Who, who can do that? Real loud. Who, who's, are you coughing or volunteering? Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's the way we volunteer at our church. Okay. That'll be you. Let's see. Who knows? Who's got it down here? Raise your hand. Y'all are among friends. If you mess up, they'll pick it. There you go. Look here. This is a scholar. That's a good deal. Right, And by the way, that verse means, the older I get, the more that verse means to me. Because uh, everlasting life is not necessarily a big deal. <laughs> right? Uh, when your hair turn, uh, turns gray, or in my case, turns loose. <laughs> uh, I don't want to live forever down on this earth. Uh, man, I have aches and pains and I can't remember how, <laughs> I'm not, what, what, where am I today? <laughs> it's, I, I hope I can remember how to get back home. That's, I have a GPS, by the way, which is a wonderful, I think it was created for, for seniors. They have a new branch out this year. It tells you how to get there, and if you push a button, it tells you why you're going. <laughs> so you won't forget that either, all right? But just everlasting life in itself is not a good deal. I mean, we get older, and things start falling apart, and we get sags where we didn't used to have sags. And all that kind of stuff. And when he's talking about everlasting life, he's talking about Zoe, Z-O-E. And it is life everlasting the way he intended life to be. We'll have glorified bodies. There won't be any sickness. There won't be any pain. There won't be any death. There won't be any hospitals. There won't be any funeral homes. It's going to be something else. He said, I've come that you might have everlasting life. Jesus said in John chapter 7, 30, 37, 38, now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Now listen, 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost beings 
being shall flow rivers of living water. Now, that's a promise, and that's a good thing. That's what I Don't you want that for your God, I want, I want you to flow out of me. I want the words that I say and the places that I go and the things that I do just to exude a reflection of the Lord Jesus. He says, you come to me, and I'll take, your life will be unbelievable, all right? So number one is, wise men still seek Jesus. It's foolish to live any other way. All right, number two. I've got to speed up. Okay, number two. Wise men are not distracted by their surroundings. Nothing could stop them from finding this Messiah. They stood in the presence of a very powerful king, and yet they didn't fret what he was going to do. They didn't worry about what he said. They kept looking for this Messiah until they found him. Don't get sidetracked by the incidental things of your life, by your job, by your hobbies, by your money, by your friends, by any distraction. Keep looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. Amen? All right, number three. All right. Oh, let me give you a verse of that. Can I? Colossians 3, 2 and 3. I like this. I like this one. Colossians 3, 2 and 3 says, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden in Christ, in God. Isn't that good? Don't, don't get hungry. This is fleeting. You know, all the, the world has gone mad. Are you aware of that? When people, and you know, I don't know if you were joking or not, but when people think they're animals, and we say, okay, in Washington County, Virginia school, there's a school, and I have a, a fellow who's involved, not in this decision, but at one of the schools, there's a girl who about six months ago identified as a cat. Do you know what the school system, that school did, I mean, not the system, but the school, they put a litter box in the girl's bathroom. Now, I don't know who's dumber. The girl who thinks she's a cat or the nut who put a litter box in the room. But you, you know, and, and you could be, man, you can be a guy or a gal or something in between. I mean, and, and what are we doing? We're going along with them. We're just, okay. And look, and it's not just here, it's around the world. I mean, people are rejecting God and rejecting all these stands for, and they just don't even think he even lived. And, and the, the inmates have taken over the asylum. But let me tell you what I believe. God is still in control. This is not, it doesn't surprise him. He's not unaware of it. He is caring and he knows. And history is his story. And we're living in, I believe, in the last of the last days. And I believe that it's unfolding. And we're watching those end time prophecies take place that said would come thousands of years ago, right before. I think Paul would have given his right arm, the Apostle Paul, to live. And he said, oh, here it comes. Because he believed. He believed in his day he was coming. Remember that? Remember in 1 Thessalonians 4, we who are alive and remain in his coming? I mean, he thought he was, can you imagine what he would think now? A one-world money system, a one-world government, and all this madness going around. And the strongest nation on planet Earth, just weakening almost month by month by month, and getting out of the way for the things over there to take place, just like God said they would. You can just, just run to God and trust Him. Amen? Okay, uh, number three, is that right? You writing this down? Okay. <laughs> uh, number three is wise men worship Jesus, all right? After coming into the house, they saw the child and Mary, with Mary, his mother, and they fell down on the ground and worshiped him. 
They didn't worship the house. They didn't worship the, the, where he was laying. They didn't worship Mary. They worshiped him. Wise men worship Jesus. Wise men worship Jesus. And we still do. And there's all kinds of folks. I know folks, not, not in the same sense, but I know some folks who worship preachers. You know, they have this guy, this guy, this guy, whatever, like that. Don't worship the messenger. Worship the one who wrote the message. Worship God. That's what they, they worshiped him. You know, the, you know the biggest deterrent in, for me to worship God? Me. I get in my way sometimes. And I have to remind myself, God, you are it. And I want to worship you. I need you. Oh, how I need you. And so wise men worship Jesus. And they're not, set, they're not distracted by the messengers or the buildings or all that other thing. All right, one more thing. All right. Wise men don't go out the way they came in. Remember what it said? It said, an angel warned them in a dream. Don't go back to Herod. He's bad news. You go home a different way than when you got here. I want to I go different than I did this past year. Uh, as long as the Lord lets me live, I want to I be different next year. than I, I want to be better. I want to not in goodness, but I want to love him more and serve him better. I want to be more, more aware of his presence. Don't you? I don't want to go into 2024 the way I went into 2023. And that wasn't bad. I mean, I was trying to live close to him, but I want to grow in him. What was, what was it that Peter said? Grow in grace and knowledge. God, let me grow. Don't let me stunt my growth by getting sidetracked by things that don't really matter. Amen. And if we're wise men and women, we're going to follow these simple things. We're going to worship him. We're going to follow him. We're going to seek after him. We're not going to be distracted. And we're going to make him the priority of our life. Now, let me tell you something I know, and I'm kind of in the same boat you are. I am a professional Christian. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm a preacher. I get paid to be a Christian. Not really, but you, you know what I'm saying? And you hold a lot more weight than I do. A preacher, a pastor is supposed to say and do certain things. Supposed to be happy about God. Supposed to be, you know, Jesus is it, and things like that. But you don't get paid to do that. And people, people hear me, and they say, well, I hope, hope they take it for truth. But the fact is, when, when who's, who's the most vanilla-flavored person in here? Anybody know who it is? Uh, let me pick out one of you guys. It's this guy over here drinking that drink over there. There you go. The sound man. It's the AV man, all right? I don't know anything about him. He's probably a wonderful person, all right? But you know what? When he goes out and he talks about how good God is and how God loves us, and he shares his faith and things like that, they put more stock in that because that's a satisfied customer. Right? Then they do a preacher who gets paid to say, you, you need to come to God and God loves you. And that's, that's not right, but that's the way. You guys know it's that way. But when you find somebody who doesn't have anything attached to it other than they just love the Lord, it carries a lot more weight. And what you want to do, and, and I know you, this is preaching to the choir, live in such a way that when people see you and hear you, let them hear, you, hear Jesus and see Jesus. Let it be known if I'm worth anything at all, it's not because of what I've done or who I am. It's because of whose I am and who's my Father. And all God's people say it. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the Christmas story. I thank you that it's not a fable. It's not a myth. It's not a legend. It is a bona fide fact of history.
And Lord, as these things unfolded and now we read about them and we study them, what a blessing it is, God, to get examples from them, even the wise men, about how we're to seek after you and not be distracted by the things of the world and to worship only you. God, I pray for me and I pray for us that you would do a fresh work in us and cause us as we leave the building in just a little while that you'll cause us to love you more and serve you better. In Jesus' name, amen.